When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. You're listening to a Snipper Nixon production. Welcome to Are You Feeling Funny, where top comedians discuss health and well-being with Harley Street specialist and our host, Dr. Brian Kaplan. Today's guest is Dane Baptiste, so let's join them in the heart of Harley Street. Welcome to Are You Feeling Funny, Dane Baptiste. Thank you for having me, doctor. Excellent. Well, I'm an old-fashioned, holistic doctor, so mm-hmm. I like to look at a human being in three categories, physical, mm-hmm. mental, and spiritual. So uh, let's start off with the physical. So I'd be interested to chat to you about any interaction you had with doctors or hospitals mm-hmm. or anything, any accident, emergency, or an illness, anything where okay. perhaps something funny happened or you felt funny? Uh, it, has, it has to be funny. I'll make, sure, I'll, make, I'll make sure it's funny. I broke a blood vessel in my nose when I was very young. I was playing uh, play fighting with a friend who headbutted me in the nose, so I had a burst of capillary, mm. uh, which... Uh, I think at the time I also had thalassemia trait, hemophilia, but I think it was like well, only one clotting factor, which was like 14. So, but it meant if I did the lightest, the most slightest pressure, would meant my nose would start gushing and I could make my nose bleed at will. You could? Yeah, which came in very handy for like boring assemblies and uh, yeah, pretty much any boring, awkward situation. As a kid, I wanted to get out of, I'd just give it a few taps and then it'd be like, I'd love to stay here and hear more about how endangered chinchillas are, but... My nose is bleeding. I was like, oh. And you did it at will. You actually Yeah, yeah, it would start bleeding. I'd be bleeding, like, you know, as much as I wanted I to sit here and watch the water ship down for wet playtime, unfortunately, nosebleed. So it was always very efficient. So um, then I had it cauterized. Um, yes. Which was in, was interesting. But yeah. Uh, Tell me about that. So you went to an ENT? Because I also had that yeah, particular so, yeah, operation. ENT, yeah. and I, just, I remember just uh, what looked like a match just going up my nose yes. and cauterizing. Yes. Uh, and also, yeah, and I, I kind of grew, grew up in a, in a household where, you know, my mother's a nurse and her sister was a nurse. So, you know, just to pass the time again, because I came in a time where discipline was very much emphasised and children were seen and not heard. So sometimes, you know, just to pass the time, I'd sit and read like a medical journal. And uh, interesting, but also very, very frightening, some of the diseases that people can have. I mean, a lot of them are massively preventable, but you read them as a child, it's very easy to become a hypochondriac. Yeah, absolutely. Every doctor at some point in their medical training becomes a hypochondriac. You start reading, especially with a psychological uh, illness, you diagnose yourself as partially schizophrenic. See, when you um, make a diagnosis in physical medicine, Mm -hmm. you can make that diagnosis. It's usually done in 
certain steps. For example, 70% of your diagnosis in medicine should be made from the history alone. So mm. if I'm talking to you and you describe a pain in the lower abdomen and it suddenly come up and you're a young man and it's most likely it's appendicitis. I haven't put a finger on you. Yeah. Most likely, right? Yeah. 70%. Uh, so mostly talking is the most important. Then physical examination. So mm -hmm. it's um, talk, then physical examination. That should take you to about 90 something percent of diagnosis, talking mm -hmm. and physical. And tests only need for that five or 10% mm -hmm. at the end. But we're becoming a society that's jumping to the tests straight away and doctors are actually losing the ability to diagnose with their hands and to do physical Do you think that's because there's a commercial interest now in being able to jump to diagnosis? Well, it's so, you know, it's almost as if we've got this fascination with technology. Look at everyone using their phones and apps. It's like you've got an MRI scan. You can, let's put the patient in the MRI scan and look everywhere rather than this is a, yeah, use your hands. And, yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and have more trust in uh, evolution. I've, which I always find is a weird one. I feel like commercial viability of medicine nowadays means that people are, are very quick to uh, maybe overdiagnose and then subsequently overprescribe. No yeah. question. I uh, mean, yeah. that's uh, it. Definitely happens that way. We use the the medicines and in, in psychological medicine even more so. Mm -hmm. we make a diagnosis and then give a a, um, a medicine that fits the, the the diagnosis. But the diagnosis is a category. See, there's the word in medicine called syndrome. Yes. The syndrome means it's not a diagnosis. If I, if we, you could diagnose your uh, a trait of uh, thalassemia, which means mm -hmm. you aren't a sufferer, but you could, if yeah. you met another person with a trait, you Suffer. could have a. So, yeah. um, that's a diagnosis, right? Mm -hmm. You can see it in the blood. But when you diagnose a syndrome like irritable bowel syndrome, it's about deficiency. It's, it, it, oh. You can't actually. There isn't a test for it. So yeah. say the syndrome means yes, we understand that there are people that have constipation, diarrhea, nerves, mm -hmm. etc. And if all goes together, we'll call it irritable bowel syndrome. But it's diagnosis by tick box, yes, rather yeah. than by scientific yeah. observation. Well, same thing with AIDS as well, isn't it? Is that is it's a syndrome. It's not necessarily. It's to, about people make, I guess, make the mistake of quantifying it as a disease, where really it's more about, like, like I said, it's more about a series of observations where you know this lack of T4 cells means yes. where, where you're more subject to like opportunistic infections, and uh, you know, because like most people don't necessarily die from the syndrome itself, it's the opportunistic infections, whether it's like uh, yes, carpose sarcoma or that's TB all the or, syndrome. So yeah. you can make a diagnosis yeah, yeah. of HIV. Positive or negative, yes. but that's not the same as the AIDS. Exactly, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I think yeah, it's just, it's an interesting thing where like you when you consider like uh, diagnosis, a lot of time yeah, it probably originates from a syndrome where it can be either you know a lack of uh, alkaline uh, in the body mm -hmm. or you know or dehydration. And um, so it's a definite, and it, the, the symptoms vary from person to person. It, yeah, exactly. So let's go back to this um, cauterization. So because mm -hmm. I had that very. Um, same process and I remember yeah. going to the ENT and so what they do is they take a electrical a sort of it's like a scalpel with an electrical end yeah, so yeah. It, if it hits the tissue it just sizzles exactly yeah yeah do you remember the smell in your nose I when do they yeah, were doing I, remember, it? yeah? I, remember, I smell the burning yeah 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 it's, what did it smell to you of? oh man it's weird like I've it's burned, the weird burned hair kind of thing yeah or, or, I had the feeling that it was like a sort of Burnt meat, that sort of moment that you throw a piece of steak onto the pan and yeah, you exactly, feel it going yeah, up yeah, your yeah, nose. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Except it's, it's, it's your body. Yeah. That's being oh, exactly. Burnt. Yeah, and it's, 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 yeah. I, 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 I don't forget that smell, and it's also like I don't, I don't, I never forget the sound of my tooth, my wisdom tooth being pulled. 
Oh, yes, that sound. You, yeah. did you have that as well? Yeah, I had yeah. that one too. Because yeah. it's done under uh, local, local anesthetic. Yeah, so you, you're, you're conscious for all of this. When and did you have the local uh, anesthetic? The local work? anesthetic for uh, my tooth, I think it was about 10 years ago. And how many teeth did they take out? Uh, two. You had two? Two wisdom tooth uh, taken back. Yeah, and that crunching sound. Eh? Oh, yeah. It's, 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 yeah. It's, a <laughs> it's a horrible sound. Not and, pain, uh, though, when they're doing No, no, it, not eh? pain. No, no. It's, but it's just, it's just that sound. And just think, yeah. It's just, cause I've, I'm fortunately never had like a compound fracture or anything like that. Right, right. But, yeah. yeah pulling it. I remember that one. I, the, the, they said to me, you need four out. Mm -hmm. So I said, and they should do it in two, two, and then come back and do. I said, no, just do it all. I'd rather have all the oh, pain. Oh yeah, me too. Yeah, I did the same. Right? Yeah, I did, yeah, I was the same. Yeah, let's get it all done. <laughs> so we're going for. I tell you, the guy, and I'm not joking. He had his foot against the table, like he was pulling, yeah, like this, you know. Oh. And I didn't feel pain. I could feel stress. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Come from. He took two out, and then he says, you know. Would you mind if I just have a short break now and have a cup of tea? I felt I said sure, like go, like he was really <laughs> yeah, stressed. Yeah, Lord knows you need a rest. <laughs> <laughs> I was bleeding out of my mouth here. So, um, any other um, contact with physical uh, doctors? Uh, fractured physical medicine. Uh, fractured scaphoid. You had a fractured scaphoid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, uh, left wrist. And, and how? Uh, what happened? How did that uh, work? I slipped playing football yes. and used my hands to break my fall. Um, which uh, you learn obviously with like basketballs, that's why they land on their elbows and they slide along the court, so oh, they yes. don't uh, risk doing it. And it's uh, so it's very, very, I think it's a very common injury amongst like tennis players as mm. well as like the elderly. And um, and yeah, the adrenaline, I didn't feel it for like three hours. Yeah, went for three hours fine. Drove my friend home, was hanging out, and then just this massive weight of my hands that just weighed me down. And I was under the impression that maybe I maybe dislocated my, my something. Uh, and then it began to swell. And then after it, so I, was, I went to the uh, A and E and was like. I, I think this needs to be relocated and that's fine I can leave because it was kind of like uh, wrist was just limp and then yeah after I had a quick uh, x-ray did your mom brought you up with a certain attitude to medicine and illness or um, I think she's uh, yeah I think she's been very open to like I can buck in some more uh, I'd say cultural trends mm -hmm. so yeah I guess uh, culturally uh, uh, Caribbean men are not really that in uh not very really enthusiastic about seeking uh, medical help. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but then at the same time, you know, my dad, I'd say, is very progressive considering his generation. So he's had like his prostate exam and stuff. And mm -hmm. yeah, he stays on top of that. And my mum being a nurse as well. So she's always, uh, with my sisters, emphasized like good sexual health and she did, being, uh, yeah, being uh, with uh, their options so far as like birth control. And uh, what is your field in, in um, medicine? I was just you? nursing. So just, just general just, nursing. Yeah, just general nursing. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, and uh, you know, she was always she always kind of made me aware and was outspoken about you know her observations of like you know FGM. Uh, What's that? Oh yes, I do yeah, know. Yeah, so she did a bit of like stuff like FGM and mm. just yeah, and you know, and just yeah, there's a lot of sexual health and just and obviously making me aware of the uh, women's health as well and uh, make sure that I was empathetic to you know. You so know, she was extremely stuff. against female genital mutilation. Oh, completely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, couldn't couldn't be more. Couldn't be yeah, more against yeah. it. And uh, you know and. Also, I mean, um, obviously, one of my one of my mum's earliest memories of my mother was that she'd had a hysterectomy. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so I was and and she'd had a uh, had a tumor in her fallopian tubes as well, which is why she'd had the uh, surgery in the first place. Yeah. Although the very later on in life, a good twenty years, uh, had found like fibroids, which mm -hmm. I just thought was strange. Um, and then, and also originally told me that when I was born because. Uh, she had had a lot of difficulty during uh, childbirth, and there's an hour. I have a twin sister, but there's an hour between us. So my mother, that I mean, while doctors were trying to work out if they were going to have a cesarean or just continue with the uh, delivery, so she had severe hemorrhaging. So I was in intensive care for 72 hours after I was born. After we like skin to skin, so it was like a good 
72 hours where I was kind of by myself in the incubator because I also had jaundice. Which, were uh, you the second one born? Or yes, I was the were. second one. Yes, yeah, so I was yeah. Yeah, pretty sick. And uh-huh. uh, yes, yeah, so I didn't see her for like three days, which I think uh, probably we'll come back to with the psychological uh, <laughs> diagnosis. But yeah, so so, 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 so so stuff like that, I had kind of like a, a fascination with it. And I said just reading certain books and stuff could end up. And I came, grew up in the 80s where, you know, during the uh, kind of AIDS epidemic and stuff mm. as well. So yeah, I just kind of really, and, and then because I was, enjoyed comedy as well, then, you know, we're using the narrative from Comic Relief it was this mix of like increasing AIDS awareness as well as like learning more about like and you know about like the financial plight in like the con- on the continent of Africa. So whenever we'd go and see like a GP or like a pediatrician, like because I was having so many blood tests because of the, uh, uh, the blood vessel bursting, like I'd be sitting there and then learning more about stuff like you know preventable diseases and typhoid and tetanus. So and you nearly fever. became a doctor then? Did you ever I think, think about it? I think there was a point in time when I was really interested in maybe becoming an immunologist, especially around oh, yeah, like yeah, the, yeah. Uh, the uh, AIDS epidemic, and yeah. Uh, yeah, just did as much research as possible. And um, yeah, and uh, and I think yeah, because my mother was a nurse as well, so mm. I kind of was like following in that vein and being like, very interested in it. So even as a kid, I don't remember ever being squeamish when I'd watch like so it's all interesting to you yeah it's all interesting yeah Yeah. so I I, I like as a kid I like watching like open heart surgery and stuff oh you did yeah yeah yeah. and it's because and and I'm I'm actually quite squeamish I'm very squeamish about like bodily functions like going to the toilet and stuff and I'm very weird about it but with like stuff like surgery in a medical context I always find it fascinating did you think something odd happened ever with physical doctor or physical medicine that something peculiar Um, happened or myself personally no my dad however uh, he had pneumonia and the first uh, doctor said he had hay fever. Mm-hmm. And luckily he'd got to like hospital in time and they'd give him another uh, x-ray and realised that he'd had a collapsed lung, had fluid on his lung. A collapsed was, lung? I yeah, but I, was, but I was just like, how somebody forex. was able to like misinterpret that as hay fever? Was, Seems a long way that's away. A, yeah, a real long way away. <laughs> yeah. Hi there, sorry. I know I'm definitely not as interesting, but just two seconds of your time. We're the company that make this show, Snipper Nixon. We do podcasts, we develop scripts and much more. If you want to know more about us, find us at snippernixon.com. Oh, oh, and if you are enjoying the show, please comment, tell a friend, subscribe, or send a carrier pigeon. Right, we'll be back after these messages. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. And here we are, back to Harley Street with Dr. Brian Kaplan and Dame Baptiste. So we'll move on to the psychology. I'm very interested in that you picked up on this that the diagnoses in psychological medicine are may they're much more haphazard you see so yeah. psychiatrists they often make diagnoses on tick box mm-hmm. whereas in medicine only occasionally like yeah. irritable bowel syndrome or certain syndromes and things which we can't exactly pinpoint or do a test mm-hmm. for or see in any way so we just put it together and we have a tick box within mm-hmm. psychiatry most things are made uh, most diagnoses are made by a tick box yeah and um, I don't always agree, and it's a lot of people object to this, this yeah. categorization of psychological types without yeah. definitive proof or scans mm-hmm. or anything. So do you have any interaction with these guys or uh, psychologists or groups? Not really. I, I've, I've spoken to like a psychoanalytic therapist. Oh, yes. And uh, that's been, uh, it's been useful um, because, I mean, it really, it really, I think it's just, it's, it's healthy for most people uh, to be in a capacity where you can basically have a stream of consciousness or speak to somebody and have them either listen objectively or not have uh, an agenda. Yes. Uh, and so it's, it's very helpful. And uh, and I think it's probably in my line of work where it's very solitary. A lot of time you're spending a lot of time with your internal monologue. So sometimes it's very good for you to kind of not necessarily seek validation, but for you to kind of project rather than just be constantly reflecting. Um, because you can uh, definitely build a complex in your mind if you are just listening to your own internal monologue for a very long mm-hmm. time. Because uh, you are, you're always going to win the arguments. If with you yourself. With yeah, yourself, yeah, yeah, at yeah. some point. Yeah, and that can definitely have an adverse effect. So you did that for a while, the psychoanalytic uh, yes, is, psychotherapy, yeah, right? Yes, it is, yeah, psychotherapy. And it, it's just real useful. And it was, it was just getting mm. stuff off my chest where like, I feel um, if you're dealing with uh, people who don't have a uh, necessarily... A uh, you know an objective or a I guess a medical investment in what you're saying, then you you're you're just basically being uh, juxtaposed with everyone else's kind of complexes. So if so, a lot of time, especially as a comic, whereby you know uh, I'm just I guess my uh, success is based on how key my observations are. If I'm making certain observations which may offend some people's dissonance or you know maybe affects their ego then there's only so much I can, only for so far that kind of discourse can go because people are, maybe are reading too deep into it or I think it's just a question of this because you're dealing with most people, you know, with the human condition is that uh, unfortunately people kind of see uh, things like affirmations, for example, as a zero-sum game. So for you to assert something positive in yourself, it's just maybe a part of the human mind where it makes people, rather than feel, you know, that mutuality, it's more like they reflect on their own shortcomings so it's very hard to have that kind of interaction with other people, but whereas I found the uh, psychoanalysis very useful. And that was um, sitting or lying down? Uh, just sitting. Sitting once yeah, yeah. a week sort sitting of Sitting once a week, so uh, going to go in, uh, go in, uh, like a home visit, and I'd go there and just and speak to uh, a therapist. So, yeah, just for the, the clarify, to clarify this, because um, you've been very specific, you've said psychoanalytic psychotherapy. This means psychoanalysis tends to be... Um, 
the process where someone lies on the couch and free associates. Mm -hmm. um, my colleague on this program, Arnold Brown, has often said it shouldn't be called free association because it's never free. It can cost up to a hundred pounds. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's the that's the process that the unconscious just reveals itself. Mm -hmm. Whereas analytic psychotherapy is still using the same idea of looking at unconscious forces, but it is done more sitting yeah. as we are chatting and now, I, but and it yeah, uses the, the same laptop. analytic theory yes, yes. yes so I, you I found it useful this answer. processing of consciousness yeah. processing of your own Ex thinking it, it, yeah. exactly yeah and, and it's, it's uh i think it's just I, and i find that just a therapeutic practice for myself anyway um and i think the most interesting thing that came out of it where it was like you know just asking about my upbringing and background and mm. uh yeah I, I, and i think it's helped me uh even though it was very brief, very brief, just to understand people a lot better and, uh, you know, understand just some of the more, I guess, uh, superficial processes we have of uh, deflection or kind of uh, like dissonance or even uh, and repression. And, and this thing, res responsibility, for most people, they interpret it as culpability and being responsible and being to blame aren't the same thing. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah, interesting and I think, I think a lot of time people uh, don't make that differentiation. But, um, yeah, I think it's, it's uh, socially we're not really encouraged to take that... Uh, uh, I guess psychiatric responsibility. Well, um, yes, because you see the 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 goal as of psychoanalysis, as stated by all the psychoanalytic pioneers, is to take responsibility for the unconscious forces that are going yeah. through us. To take responsibility of that these things happened to us in the past and they've programmed us, and so we take responsibility yeah. for that. Whereas if you don't take responsibility and you don't ever talk to someone about these things or you don't do internal work on yourself. You do what the psychoanalytic people call act out. Yes. So you act yeah, yeah. instead of process yes, for psychologically. Sure. So yeah. true, very true. And uh, I, I did, and I've had a brief study of like uh, uh, kind of like psychosexuality and Freud because I did uh, mm -hmm. business at university. So they had like a small. What did module. you do then? I did a study business management. Business, yes, but I had yeah. a small had a small thing on uh, occupational psychology. So so I. I kind of latched onto the idea about like formative years being from zero to seven. And I think there is still some validity in his hypothesis, although he didn't have a no hypothesis, et cetera. But um, yeah, I, I think, and it's not necessarily mean that, you know, people's, uh, their behavioral traits can't necessarily evolve or change, but I think there's the initial uh, coping mechanisms we develop in that early stage of our lives, they all tend to permeate as uh, other aspects of our lives as we get older if they're not really confronted. And even particularly the very early experiences because the analytic people believe that when we're in a pre-verbal state, mm -hmm. so we are one years old or six years old, we are not able to communicate. Yeah. But that doesn't mean we don't feel. Yeah. We may feel things tremendously and not be able to communicate what yeah, we feel. Yeah, must be sensory, yeah. And, and, and again, and it's, it's, a, it's a very strange phenomenon that we... Uh, you know, in a time of, you know, high technology and, and, and medicine that there's still this lack of trust in our evolution, which has been a process which has been longer than all of our technological advances. And um, yeah, I mean, even when you talk about some aspects of abnormal psychology, like maybe schizophrenia, for example, mm -hmm. I think that, you know, really on some level can this really be a manifestation of this act out. Mm -hmm. whereby if mm -hmm. there's certain aspects of your psyche is developed, you repress them for long enough, then it's, you know, it's just your body will find some other way of expression. I think that's so. very insightful as well. You know, these cases where someone shoots um, from a tower, yeah. you know, not the more modern terrorist case, yeah. where just people did this that were nuts, right? Yeah, yeah. And some of them are, still do yeah. it for that reason. Um, it's often the case that they say that 
the person who did the shooting wasn't a violent person. He was yeah. quiet. He was sitting back of the class. I think one of them, yeah. uh, that was the case. And that they said, and that it's as if the person was just absorbing this anger, becoming more internally enraged yeah. Yeah, yeah. until it just broke loose and almost like a demonic force. Oh, completely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's 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 almost it's even almost it's like. Uh, uh, so my friend of mine who I, who I guess more is into kind of yeah he, he into homeopathy and like holistic mm, stuff yeah, he, I mean. and he, he's 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 like in many cases like uh, the expression of schizophrenia is it's almost it's just people who have oppressed so much that their subconscious mind or their astral self manifests so when you sometimes see a schizophrenic acting is like that's a person that who's dreaming while they're awake. Well, this is a very, very subtle topic because, of course, the orthodox medicine do not believe yeah. in astral levels or chakras or yeah. uh, acupuncture meridians or mm-hmm. auras or past lives. Once you start know, talking, but, but yeah, it may exactly. be. You know, I, I think so, yeah, but even yeah. by past lives, like when you think about it, you, there is a, the, how to interpret that, I'd say, like scientifically, is the fact that all of our cells and all of our as carbon-based life forms all come from a common source. Yes. Which And, you know... If, the law of physics means that energy can't be created or destroyed, which means essentially you have been a part of a molecular makeup of another organism. So you seem to have a sort of, it appears to me, because you've used the word evolution a couple of times, you you see consciousness as something evolving. Of course, yeah, yeah. it it must be. And I think that's just, it's just probably one of the big follies is this, people, everyone can go find a personal trainer, but to have like, you know, a personal psychiatrist who can work on your psychological development, it should be done with the same level of enthusiasm. Mm -hmm. So any funny uh, 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 interchanges that you might have be prepared to share that happened within the psychological... Myself uh, is like, it was like kind of like, you know, learning I think I was trying to learn how to like because I have a friend he's, he's, he can have like lucid dreams and stuff yeah. and he can have control them and and I'm sure everyone's had this where it's like and again it's something that's people find hard to diagnose but it's this point where you'll be lying in bed and a force is weighing you down and you can't get up yes and then I realised that it's I've worked out it's basically that state of where my astral self is dreaming that I'm awake yeah. so, I, so all the stimulus stuck in my room and stuff which I've obviously made the note of uh, subconsciously so I dream that I'm awake, but I can't move. But really, it's my astral self that's kind of caught between projections in dreams and me waking up. So there's there's some window between consciousness and mm-hmm. uh, and uh, subconsciousness or a dream state that you find yourself in. So it was like basically being aware of that was probably one of the funniest things. Did you have that experience of being completely paralyzed? You couldn't move a, a few muscle. Times, yeah, yes? A few times, yeah, a, yeah. What they call an out-of-body experience, yeah, yes. Yeah. And so learning to basically control my actual self, and it's not, and I can't mm. like necessarily project at will and have the lucid mm. dreams, but I do recognize when I'm in that state where between the dream state and the conscious. So state. you speak. I'm very impressed how you speak, sort of very naturally about these other phenomena, as yeah. if they are natural phenomenon to you. Yeah, these I, things, I, and I, yeah? Think, I think I think they are natural. I think this the frequency and the incidence of it means that it can't be disregarded. And also, I mean, just uh, the spectrum of like, oh, I get mental health and yes. comedy. There's so, so intersectionality between them in that in order for you to I think perform this job to your best level you have to kind of entertain darker recesses of your mind yes and really kind of move towards making I guess proverbial third eye observations mm-hmm. and not just ones on you know a, a superficial level you talk about a third eye and sort of interconnectivity to another dimension uh, Alan Nixon who is the producer or mm-hmm. co-producer with uh, Luke Nixon of this 
program. He used to manage uh, the comedian Jerry Sadowitz. Yes, yeah, yeah. And Jerry Sadowitz, um, famous uh, incident involving Jerry Sadowitz was at the Montreal Comedy uh, Festival. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah, I remember, yeah. He, he went up and he said, uh, good evening, moose fuckers, yeah, right? Yeah. And someone came up and punched him, face, and that yeah. was the end of the gig, right? Yeah. <laughs> so now I think Alan spoke to him and said to him, well, why do you say that? He says, I had no choice. The gods of comedy uh, yeah. said I had to do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I get it, I get it. I, I do get the mentality behind it is that in some cases it's just, you know, the way I see the, the uh, process of performing comedy is that it's uh, all the observations do start with the, from the quantum of solace within my own head. Yes. And it's just really just trying to project that outward. So it's trying to get a collective consciousness to uh, to uh, entertain an individual thought, if that makes sense. So yes. at the same time, while they're all united in laughter and that whole commonality that we found, the real payoff is that point where they're like well I've been thinking that for a long time but no one's ever said it's it it's really interesting that I've never heard anyone use that term that it's a Jungian term the collective unconscious that you yeah. can it's so that you think the great jokes are the ones that break through into the collective unconscious and, and yeah. show a paradox yeah, yeah. there Barry is a possibly a vehicle for yeah, yeah. something else that's been moving a long yeah, time yeah. And, yeah. and maybe and, and something quite basic and it's uh I think yeah it's just a big folly of us as a species where uh we uh, always make these references to being dominant and uh, and this, uh, a dominant species where it, we really, so far as in the physical uh, form at least, should be working on being a custodial one. Oh, very profound. I mean, uh, you know, there's a man called Ram Das. He was a um, professor of psychology at Harvard and he went to India and he became, met a guru and he put on robes and he meditated and there's a lot of... Uh, stories with him and many of the you can give the podcast you can find yeah. r-a-m-d-a-s once i went to talk of his and someone asked what is humor why do we where does the laugh yeah. come from yeah and what he took me through something that i'll never forget he says imagine you know different ways of seeing something we may just see a table well you may see oh we could see that this is vibrating or this is wood that's been or then the different mm -hmm. levels until you, everything is just objects it's etc and, and the highest level is everything is oneness you no longer can just yeah, yeah. distinguish between yourself and everything else mm -hmm. and what he says is that we laugh when it's as if we're putting on different sunglasses. We put on the, these glasses and now we see a little bit deeper and yeah, see yeah. more interconnectedness. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we think, see things as very separate and life is painful. And he says that when we are two of those ways of looking at something are perceived at the same time and there's a paradox, yeah. it's a funny occurrence. It, yeah, it's good. Yeah. yeah, and I guess I try and, uh, yeah, try and kind of embrace that ethos in a more succinctly way. It's like, the best way to do comedy, I feel, is not to take anything too seriously. Mm -hmm. And uh, for me, and I use that as a premise where I'm kind of uh, uh, deconstructing a lot of uh, human constructs. Yeah, for me, it's just, I just, it's just, I think if you're not, if you're, you don't take anything too seriously, mm -hmm. then it's going to always allow for the genuine. Would you know you are echoing one of the what the closest to what we had in the 19th century to a stand-up comedian was probably. Oscar Wilde. Yeah, and exactly. One, yeah, yeah, yeah. And one of his characters, I think it's in um, Lady Windermere's fan, I think, um, a character says, life is, far, life is far too important a thing ever to talk seriously about it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Too important to take it, it, it seriously. Wait, yeah, I, I agree, man. It's, it, I mean, it's, it's, 
you're not you're not here for long enough for mm. it to really fucking matter, man. That's how I kind of look, and it's, it's uh, you know, fame and infamy are two fingers on the same hand and stuff as well. And it's you know, and for me, it's like I, I suppose, and, it, and it's probably me romanticizing the process as an artist, but it's like I just, for me, I for me, art is really one of the only ways we can define our humanity, um, because. Uh, everything you're creating should have its origins as being conceptual and intangible. So mm. the whole process of, you know, trying to make consciousness perceivable is really what art is. Mm -hmm. By that token, when you do it, that's how you really will achieve immortality. Uh, let me ask you the question that I ask every comedian on this Are You Feeling Funny podcast, and that is, do you believe in God? I do. Short answer, yes. Long answer, depending on your definition of God. Sure, sure. So, yeah. It's interesting you said that. I once went to a meeting and there was a guy and he had a white collar and uh, I don't know what that means. He's a canon or yeah, preacher yeah. or something, but he had the white collar. Mm -hmm. And um, someone said, asked him about Richard Dawkins and he yeah. says, I have never met anybody who believes in the God in which Richard Dawkins does not believe. <laughs> so in other words, yeah, people make a definition of a man yeah, with yeah. a beard and all the rest of it, but you and you have your own idea of what God is and that you're okay with that. Yeah, and, and I'm okay with it because, like I said, it's uh, religion should be like, it's supposed to be your personal relationship with your own spirituality, and that is dynamic and that's ongoing. Religion should have the ability to evolve. Yes, and, absolutely. And, and science should uh, have, you know, and it should have, be able to say, we don't know, but we're looking. So and did you ever participate in any religious things? Or like uh, so I was raised, as a, raised as a Catholic, yes. and so I was brought up in Sunday school and going to church. But I think at the same time, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't a rigid belief, and there was no like you know suppression of any kind of scientific ideas. Like I said, my mother was a nurse, and so you know there was mm. she wouldn't it wouldn't be like we can't do this because God says so. So mm -hmm. anything that would be of anything that's benevolent to your makeup and stuff, my mother would encourage that. And uh, and also at the same time as well, it was like you know my dad never went to church, mm -hmm. but you know never missed a day of work. So for me, it was like, I can rationalize that, is that, you know, it's not axiomatic that you go to church and you're a good person because my father is providing for his family. He's never missed a day of work. And so, you know, rarely uses profanity. So, I mean, and again, it's like, you know, when I uh, consider like, you know, narratives from like people who are of the school of Richard Dawkins. So like a lot of time people will be like, you know, the same, that same kind of narrative will also kind of be conflated with like Islamophobia. And I, so my, my whole thing would be then, yeah, but then why are you so rigid about the idea of nation? It's as much as a social construct yes, as is. the idea of like, you know, a divine being. Because, you know, I think people, they, of all the isms, capitalism and yeah. socialism, there's one ism that just is ubiquitous. It is absolutely everywhere, this ism, and that's tribalism. Oh, I've yes. spoken to a yeah, guy exactly. who's, a, you know, who, I've spoken to someone who is absolutely against religion, absolutely against any political order or coercion, mm -hmm. and he believes in freedom and sort of pretty left-wing and all the rest of it. Mm -hmm. And all of that he um, avidly swears by, but he will still tell you with a straight face that he much prefers Everton Football Club to the, <laughs> yeah. red, to the red shite <laughs> yeah. on the other side of the city, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, I, and I think, yeah, and, it's, and, it's, and I see it, it's, it's, uh, we are a social species. Mm. So again, it, it does come back to like, you know, just, just I think it's biology is that we are, well, just the way we're able to quantify and uh, I guess uh, understand our humanity is, you know, having that ability to project. And so do you think it's something about connectivity? Is that what I'm, the, the word that's coming to me from yeah. our conversation is that we are, 
you see a lot of connectivity between mind, body, and spirit, and perhaps between yeah. other people, and that maybe people are hurting because they deny the, that's, the yeah. connectivity. Exa- exactly what it is. I think that's exactly what it is. I think, you know, if you uh, look at the p- pathology of most serial killers, like it's always, you know, from a malformed relationship with their mother. So even the, in the first instance of them, you know, receiving learned behaviors of how to receive nurturing, then they're deprived of that. What does it feel like to you? What do you think is happening when you say something and everyone laughs, the feeling in the whole room, that, that feeling for you? What do you feel is happening? Um, I th- it's, it's sometimes, it's, it's a number of things. For me, it's, uh, it's people having, you know, certain aspects of their mind validated and, you know, and, and, some, and, and it's a, I think there's a freeing there for everyone that there's a, maybe a mental block or a guard they've, been, mm-hmm. they've learned to create that becomes freed. And sometimes that's the best, and, and that for me, is, there's an intrinsic reward of getting that involuntary response of people laughing when they, they don't want to or they're trying to stifle that laughter mm, because mm. It, you are freeing them and you're seeing them break away from bonds they've created from, you know, social interactions. Uh, so that's that's part of it. And I think also, and but for the large part of it, it is all still social interaction where there's probably, there's a part of myself that maybe I am feel deficient in that's being projected back onto me now. So that's, I think that's the biggest part of it is that there's probably a part of me where I'm deprived of that joy and having that reflected back, then they are supplementing something I can't find within myself. See, I use a reverse psychology and jokes and humor in this mm-hmm. thing I use called provocative therapy. But my feeling is that the person laughs, but underneath it, there's something painful that they're confronting. But when yeah. they're laughing at the same time, the endorphins and spiritually and psychologically yeah. and physically, they're in a good state to yeah, face yeah. that they're, they're, rash, they're rationalizing it and, and there's and there's probably like some aspect of just the physical process of laughing whether it's how your diaphragm moves or even maybe even the pitch at which people laugh like if you do a deep laugh and it's like low frequency and high mm. vibration so because laughter and t- like just on a sonically laughter and crying are two very different things even though they can look they look this very similar mm. from a distance but it's the it's that just a sonic difference in that you know crying is high frequency and low vibration, whereas like a hearty laugh is a high vibration, low frequency. And if you think about the fact that you know molecules vibrate on a certain level, then if you're laughing and producing a certain type of sound, then it probably like you're probably you know reaffirming or having a positive influence on like those 14 trillion cells in your body. Amazing. I mean, Arnold Brown, who's very is the comedy consultant on this program, he often speaks about the difference between comedians and people who laugh at a deep belly laugh or yeah, yeah. laughing ah, sort yeah, yeah. of in the throat etc and that the difference between them yeah, the real yeah. funny bones people are the people who can laugh yeah, from the, from the, the yeah, deep yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot it's a lot more freeing high vibration and high frequency uh, high vibration and low frequency did you yeah. say yes for that, for that real belly laugh and it can maybe and i think it's and it probably and you know there's there are i think there are some physical benefits oh i can list them yeah. i made i made a mnemonic of them yeah. smile yeah. s stands for reduction of stress hormones adrenaline and noradrenaline m stands for muscular relaxation which can be actually objectively yeah. shown using an electromyograph um uh, I stands for increased immunity. You can actually measure IgE and IgE. L stands for lung, letting go of the the residual air. There's 20% yeah. of the air stays in your lung, but when you really oh. laugh, you empty the whole lung. Oh, cool. E stands for exercise. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a lot of laughter is a good yeah, form of exercise. Yeah, people say it's their stomachs out, yeah, and people double over and That's stuff. That's it, so endorphins and yeah. Kaplan's shown to increase, and the recent uh, studies show that it gives cardiac 
protection as well. So we well, yeah, certainly design yeah. to love. It's a very human uh, function. Yeah. So I, that was the field of medicine I chose in the end. So maybe the, the best immunologist. But immunologist, yeah, yeah well, you know, now you know. Yeah, exactly. You're raging. You're, when people laugh at your jokes, their IgE and immunoglobulin E and, uh, okay, are going good, up and they are more, a little bit more resistant to infection. Oh, that's good to know. A couple of things just to finish off with. Um, do you have any physical or exercise or diet regimen that you follow um, or you do just, anything just, like that? Uh, more recently now is just to try and stay as hydrated as possible, uh, keep my body relatively alkaline as well. Um, and yeah, and uh, I, a nutritionist told me uh, he understands my line of work, but try my best to go to sleep the same day that I wake up. Uh-huh. So yeah, so there's plenty of water and plenty of sleep and then just trying to eat a lot of green and blue looking stuff. <laughs> blue, blue. <laughs> okay, Dan Batiste, has been a pleasure to talk Thank to you. Thank you very much, Thank it's been so a pleasure. Much. Thank you for having Thank me. You. Thank you. Cheers. And that was Dane Baptiste in conversation with Dr. Brian Kaplan. Are You Feeling Funny is a Snipper Nixon production. The comedy consultant is the legendary Arnold Brown. The series producers are Luke and Alan Nixon, with music from George Montague, audio recorded by Alex Hollingsworth, and the series editor was Luke Nixon. But more importantly, the back-breaking vocal work you are hearing now is done by me, Olivia Nixon. You can find loads more stuff from us to listen to and read at snippernixon.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.